welcome back to the School of Calisthenics podcast. This is your weekly dose of entertainment, energy, excitement, inspiration and motivation from some incredible guests that have joined us on the podcast and it's unfortunately mixed in with some fairly average banter from Jacko and I. So whether you're here for the banter or not, we're certainly going to be helping you. We cover all things health, fitness, training and calisthenics to help you explore your physical potential through bodyweight training and redefine your impossible. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Tim and Welcome back to the School of Calisthenics podcast and you're in for a treat this week because we have the Wolfpack growing again. We have a brand new coach here, Coach Owen, um, and we delve in to find out a little bit more about him and his amazing philosophy on, um, I guess, being a better human almost is one of the things that he's big on. Yeah, he mentioned that about just uh, that, that concept of improving his human minuity. <laughs> that's the real word not but it's a really cool thing to, to think about and to explore and to understand um, how movement is really cent- centered in Owen's current story and his past and then how that's sort of branching out into new areas where he finds his energy and gets his life from and um, it's really inspiring in terms of listening to his journey but also we just touch on a number of different things and concepts around training and play and creativity and, and all sorts of things so hopefully this is an inspiring one you're going to get to know Owen a little bit better um, but he's got some real nice knowledge to share as well which I hope is going to enhance your kind of thought process around your training yeah so you're gonna yeah as tim said you're gonna get to know owen a little bit better welcome him into the school car sets family and you're probably gonna want to go and buy some juggling balls at the end of this and join juggle gang juggle gang so sit back relax and uh, enjoy coach owen jackson on the school car sets podcast hit the jingle So, Coach Owen, welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast and welcome to the whole School of Calisthenics coaching team. Yo, how's it going, guys? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, we're doing good. We're doing all right. Owen, just um, let's kick things off and just give a little bit of background to yourself. Tell us about your journey in fitness training and whatever else it is. We're going to go down a few different avenues today because you've got a a plethora of experience under your belt. I'm not sure if that's a great construction. I was going to go official with with surnames as well because Owen Jackson, a fellow Jackson. But not related. Not my brother. A brother from another mother, <laughs> as we like to say. That's it. I'm... Anyway, tell us a bit. Tell us a bit about yourself, Owen. Who's <laughs> effectively Jack? Owen. Tell us a bit about yourself, Jack. No, no one taken. has ever. Everyone, everyone's called me OJ. You've never. I've never been, a... been known as Jacker, really. Uh, so, have you not had a Jacker? You're king, king of Jackers. Um, that makes me think of OJ Simpson. Uh, yeah, yeah. So questionable yeah, past. Anyway, quickly <laughs> on. Um, yeah, should we talk about training? <laughs> so. My, um, I've, I've always been interested in, uh, in physicality, really. Um, a story like a lot of people, um, I was in, in industry, I basically moved into design. I was doing design for sort of eight, 10 years. Uh, that's what my degree is in. And then when it got to about 2015, I was like, I'm getting a bit bored of design. There was nothing, nothing wrong with it. Uh, but that was a point where, in all intents and purposes, I started deciding who I wanted to be as a human and who I wanted to be moving forwards. Um, you can talk about the education system and maybe making decisions about what you want to do in the future. 
you know, when you're, when you're sort of 16 years old, but by the time I got further into my career, I was like, well, I feel like I've done this now and I want to start doing something else. So, uh, when I was, um, when I was working full time, I basically went off and did my level two fitness instructor. Um, so I was, you know, shadowing in gyms and sort of doing that as well as working full time. Um, from there, um, I think I reached out to Jacko back in 2015 or something. I'd seen this guy doing some mad stuff and I thought, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. And around that sort of time, I'd taken a shift in what I was going to do with my training. So sort of doing lots of sports as a kid, but never really excelled at any of them. Just like trying different things and moving in different ways. And my parents were dead supportive in whatever I wanted to do. But I was never really adept at one specific thing. Like it wasn't as if I was going to go off and, you know, represent my country or whatever in, in anything. Uh, but in many ways, that was sort of a saving grace in that that sort of gave me like a broad smorgasbord of like sports to call upon and, and things that I could, you know, be involved in. I think one of the best compliments I ever got was, yeah, if you move in house, Owen would be quite good because he can carry stuff and he can go up and downstairs. And I was like relatively fit and I could just do bits and bobs. Um, so, sort of a backhanded compliment. I, yeah, I hate moving house. <laughs> you know, if someone says that to me, I, that's, the, that's the, uh, the hand that I want the least. If someone says, can you come and help me, make, help me move house? Like the, 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 the right thing morally, I'm going, yes, I'd love to come and help you. But in deep inside, I'm going, I flipping hate moving house. People have said that to me before, but it's because I've got a big white van. <laughs> that's it. Some people play piano, some people uh, shift them. I think you might be a shifter. <laughs> and Owen's only the second person I've ever heard use the word smorgasbord. <laughs> I was the first. <laughs> yeah, Tim was the first. Yeah. I, I thought that's when you said that, I thought, good lad. I still don't know what that means. Plethora, um, selection. I think it's a Scandinavian um, term. So, yeah, and then... Um, Often replies to me, cheese and meat. It certainly does. I can eat a smorgasbord of cheese and meat. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, before that, it was, it was mainly mainly rugby for the mighty Ilks and Elks, as so you're aware of, Jack. Oh, hello. Yes. Another hello. connection. Um, what was to say? I, it's strange that our past, we didn't cross no, paths earlier in life, we, to be fair. We sort of were associated with similar sort of circles, but never. Yeah, how old uh, are you, Owen? 30, how old am I? 33? Yeah. Jackie won't talk to people in the fourth team anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> You probably played against each other in uh, Midlands 16. Yeah. <laughs> um, NLD's Northwest 1, level 18. That's it, that's, it. that's what I aspired to, NLD. Um, and then, so, basically, I was never, you know, you guys know me, I'm not the biggest guy, and I was just fed up of getting absolutely smashed. So, um, sort of unpicking a lot of injuries and shoulder problems and bits and bobs, and I was finding myself... You know, I was I was only sort of ever just in, just messing around with rugby, um, but I was finding myself getting absolutely beaten up. But every week it put me further and further back. So that's when I sort of set off on what you sort of call this sort of movement journey, sort of getting involved on movement culture before that had a specific term. Um, and you know, I, I went off on this route into like parkour and sort of bit of gymnastics and sort of just moving in different ways um, and then eventually needed more structure to my training and that's when I sort of found calisthenics so 
that's basically about the sort of time the inception of the SOC. So tell us a little bit about what does your sort of a typical training week look like and, and throw into the mix for people so they can understand a little bit around. Um, so the other things that, that you might do outside of the, of the gym or wherever it is that you're training, whether it's at home or whatever, but your wider sort of approach to sort of a training week and lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. So I have, got, I have some very specific calisthenics goals, which I want to get to, um, which requires dedicated work. So as a, as a basis, I'm looking at things like back levers, working towards a front lever, muscle-ups. But for example, this morning, feeling a bit beaten up. So I went off and just did like a movement session, just working out what felt good, opening my hips, um, things like cross-eye squats, a bit of of mobility, stretching. Um, And then I always try to get in some sort of low, what, you know, what the industry would call like low-intensity steady state. But for me, when I get a haircut, so I'll go and walk to it. So I know I'm getting my steps in. And that's something you'll see, obviously, you guys have seen through my stories, going through, walking, being outside, being in nature. And that was a big thing when I was actually stuck in industry. I needed to get myself out on a lunchtime. So I'd go find a local park. I'd go and hang from something. I'd go and make sure I could move in various planes of motion. Um to just make sure I'm, I'm ticking the boxes. Um, I, I once had a client who said, how do you find the motivation to train? And for me, it's more, how do you not find the motivation? For me to be me, I have to be out and moving. I'll go and jump on my bike and go for a little cycle. Or I will go and, to say, climb something, or go move, or be in nature, or as you've seen, go and jump in a, a stream or a river or a lake somewhere. But just to try and strip back some of these layers and just, just try and just just not only get strong, but experience life and experience this body that we're in. That's that's for me number one. Yeah, how long's that been a big part of your sort of philosophy, you know, um in terms of jumping in a river and being out in nature? Like how yeah, how long have you known that actually that's a big part of what makes you happy and what you enjoy. Um, and where do you think that comes from? So it was sort of crystallized to me when I was working in a busy consultancy, in a design consultancy, I would find myself being stuck at a desk for a long period of time. So when you're doing something that inherently may or may not agree with your, your being, that then... What, what comes to the surface? What, where did my frustrations come from? My frustrations came from the fact that I couldn't then do what I felt was necessary to be who I wanted to be. So probably for the, that, it came to a head in 2015, but probably five years prior to that, just trying to tick the boxes. Now there's this, this dichotomy when I was actually training to be sort of a personal trainer, all your spare time is taken up with learning and study. So not only was I doing like eight or 10 hour a day, then I was coming home and studying. So at that point, you know, it, it sort of goes to a head. Um, but I think, say for example, you, you want to work out where you want to be in life, go and work a job that you hate. And what, do, what does your mind concentrate on? Where do you want to be if you're not at work? And that helped me work out that being sat in an office basically staring at the same four walls, stale air, not being outside, not feeling the sun on my skin. That for me helped to uh, you know, solidify. So 
yeah, no, I've not really answered the question, but for me to... No, no, you have, yeah. So, and I love that that idea, actually, of just going like, no, like to know what's right, almost experiencing what's, yeah. what's not right yeah. or what's wrong um, is actually a great way to, to find out that. Just um, anyone out there that's thinking about it, just don't do a job you hate for too long. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> where, did, where did your mind go? <laughs> Some people, you know, yeah. they, they dream of like getting a, a paintbrush or like where, where does your mind go or, or where's the sticking point for you? and what frustrates you the most and then what do you spend your spare time doing and and try and do more of that and and try and facilitate a life or a a way of living that helps to incorporate that and i'm you know a lot of people say chase your passion but you've got to be smart about it as much as you like to jack in their jobs but for me there was you know definitely transition over sort of two or three years to try and get to where i wanted to be Hi everyone, it's Tim and Jacko here. We just wanted to interrupt the podcast very briefly just to tell you a little bit about the virtual classroom because we were so excited about everything that's going on in there that it's just too good not to share with you. We've put the best of everything we've got and everything we know into the virtual classroom to help you work towards your goals in bodyweight training and calisthenics. So by becoming a member of the virtual classroom, you can get access to specific classrooms which are going to take you towards your calisthenics goals, whether that be a muscle-up, handstand, human flag, all the major movements are covered, and we're going to walk you through step-by-step with specialized weekly training programs and self-assessments which are going to make sure you never get stuck and you know exactly what to do every time you want to train. On top of the movement-specific classrooms, we also have things like workout of the week. We have follow-along workouts for you to do. We have challenges inside of playtime. We also host live webinars answering your specific questions, doing problem-solving alongside with you. And there's also a video library of all the video tutorials and exercises that we have. And alongside that, there is a, a, a community of people in there that are helping support each other towards their goals and their training and helping with that process being alongside me and Tim inside the virtual classroom and all the students as well. So if you want to become part of what is possibly the greatest bodyweight and calisthenics training resource in the world, at least we think so, then all you need to do is swing by schoolofcalisthenics.com and follow the links through to the virtual classroom. When you get there, you're going to find a number of different membership packages to choose from. We've got specific subscriptions for beginners. And if you want everything that we've got, you can join a monthly or an annual subscription plan and you are going to get the best of everything that we've got, which is going to help you to do whatever it is that you want to achieve in calisthenics. If you have just one specific goal, you can buy the individual classroom for that movement for a one-time fee and get unlimited access to all of the workouts and the programs to follow inside that classroom. We are now fully aware that you're probably not even listening to this anymore because you've already gone to schoolofcalisthenics.com to check out the virtual classroom. But if you still need a little bit more convincing, wondering if it's for you or not, we've got a completely free eight-week beginner's guide which is going to take you from absolute basics and give you an exposure to all of the exciting things that Calisthenics has to offer. And also on our monthly full subscription, you can get seven days just to check it out. No contracts. If you don't like it, you don't have to stay, but you probably will. And we look forward to seeing you in the virtual classroom very soon. Let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, I think that's a real mindset thing around um, potentially taking... Like, one of the quotes I really like um, is about um, taking the road less travelled. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, and I think that sometimes that's a difficult thing because you can get into a situation where you've got a stable job and a mortgage and family and that sort of thing and it's difficult to sort of move away um, and, and, and like, as you say, just follow your passion because often these things 
don't always turn out to to, to um, provide a hugely significant revenue stream to start off with. It takes time to build your passion into something which is actually going to forge the lifestyle that you that you want to live. Um, but I, I think you're right in terms of life is is too short to stay in a job that you don't enjoy. And I think I'm, I'm probably, Cara and I have joked before that if someone's thinking about going self-employed, her and I are the last people someone should come and talk to because we'll just go, just do it. It's amazing. <laughs> Even though most of the time it's really hard. Yeah. But um, there's a number of people that we've had contact with that we've, they've asked us a question, what's it like being self-employed? We just go, just do it. It's amazing. And then we've gone, do you think that's the right thing for them? Yeah. But, um, but I do think you're right. I think I don't think anybody would ever look back at the end of life and go, I wish I'd spent more time doing a job that I didn't like. Um, but recognising that it is actually a pretty ballsy move to go and do something like that um, and it's making those decisions at the right time and taking calculated risks as you do yeah I think like you said I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole but like you said at the beginning this our school system in the UK uh, you make a lot of decisions and choices when you're sort of 16, 18 and like what do you want to do and you're mm-hmm. like I've got no idea like most people, most of us don't know what we want to do and then I don't know what the stats are now, but I remember reading many years ago, probably over 10 years ago, that on average people would have two to three career changes yeah. um, in their lifespan. So it's it's actually probably quite normal to, to go from one thing to another yeah. these days. And, and I can't um, remember the, the way that the um, generations are labelled, but sort of millennials or Generation X, there, there aren't these jobs for life anymore. So gone in the days when you sort of see yeah. someone who was you know basically a farmer or working for like a big company which you go to Royce or whoever um and then you know job for life whereas as you say now you could have a number of careers throughout your lifetime and, th- and they can look totally different yeah 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 whereas probably the like i don't know my dad worked at the british geological survey for like mm. forever and like I don't know if he ever thought about moving, but like that yeah, was my dad just, was an accountant. Yeah, for his yeah. whole his whole career, he was an accountant. Yeah, so um, times are changing. Yeah, um, so let's talk a little bit about about training now, because there's some of the stuff that you've sort of that I, I want to learn from from you as we go along, and you've sort of like exposed yourself to a number of different things. You talked about movement. Um, one of the first things that I saw you doing was a lot of sort of like crawling and, and flow based patterns, like ground based movement. If you don't want to kind of particularly brand it under a particular under a heading, just talk to us a bit about where that sort of fits into your training, what the benefits are, um, and, and how you kind of see that as part of it, of, your, of your movement practice. Well, I think some of this comes down to the fact that I don't like stagnation in my training I, I you know i've tried to go through things where it's like strong lifts five by five so you know exactly what you're doing week on week on week and all you're trying to do is get a little bit stronger each time you go into the gym and for me i sort of got frustrated by that there wasn't enough writing i think you know because of my background i like the idea of being creative and moving in different ways and the idea of physicality so I like to be able to do a cartwheel. Uh, and to me, that's sort of normal. Um, but the way you interact with the ground, and I think this was around the time, sort of either Portal was coming into the mainstream. And here's a guy that sort of embodied a lot of the things that I wanted to achieve with my, uh, with my training. So things like the, the crawling patterns, bear crawls, the lizard walks, things like that. This was a new thing that sort of came to the mainstream, and I thought, yeah, this is this is sort of exactly what I need at this time. I can very quickly assess how my hips are sort of feeling on the day, and as soon as you start to move in these sort of non-linear patterns, what again, what I call sort of 
organic strength, but you're able to interact with the, the world in a different way, which isn't just squats, bench, and deadlift. And it's very humbling exercises. Like you try and do sort of a lizard crawl, the length of your gym. And by the, by the end of it, you think, well, wow, I've, I've basically had to, I've had to migrate this, this environment in a totally different pattern. And um, you know, I can feel my muscles working, as tough as that sounds, rather than just trying to move, move a linear bar from A to B. So I try and dedicate at least one session a week just to moving, just to try and be fun and free and things like Ollie Frost is doing. Um, you think, oh, like having a crack at that helicopter is like, I've got no idea how to do this. Yeah. But that's a cool move. How do I how do I start piecing this together to to come out with a really cool looking thing? What would you say then to somebody who's sort of in the gym environment potentially and they are sort of moving a bar from A to B, they look at some of the movement stuff that they see other people are doing, people like yourself and going, I really fancy having a go at that. But their gym etiquette Mm. and their sort of, their general sort of standards and and, um, uh, acceptable practice, should we call it, in the gym, socially acceptable norms within the gym. Crawling around the Smith's machine. (laughs) They may not feel that comfortable. Like, where does someone start, like, start getting into embracing movement in a different way, in a a way that they feel comfortable to do it and not ridiculous? Because the reality is, for a lot of people, it's not going to look beautiful the first time you do it, but that's almost the exact reason to do it. And again, all you're seeing is is the apex of all the training that has happened prior to that. So when you see someone like Ida Portal moving, he's got years in the game. So the best thing I would say is just try and find some open space where you're not going to be judged. You can experiment with more static stuff at home, you know, just, just basically loading the pattern on the floor um, trying to find like a, like a lizard, uh, lizard type movement. It doesn't have to look like a lizard. You can just explore, just transferring weight between hand to hand, almost like an archer push-up. So you don't need loads of room or, or a dedicated space. You can try it in the park. And again, that was something for for me, like the parkour, because people were looking at environments in a different way. So you're not just looking at, oh, this, this is a car park. Oh, no, it's not a car park. We can, we can climb this. We can move through here. We can hang off this. Um so I think it's just, also, <laughs> I've never been troubled by worrying too much about what other people think. That's also been a gift in that if people think I'm weird, I've sort of embraced that. So if, if they see me shuffling along the ground, maybe just uh, skimming my beard along the floor, then then so be it. On the way to your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. It is, you're right. It's a, it is a real gift though, because most of us, um, and we've all been there, like we get, we hold, we hold ourselves back because of that might be one of the things that's yeah. holding us, but you know, it can be a number of things that do hold us back. We can hold ourselves back, but it can be, that can hold so many people back from exploring and doing something a little bit different, um, having fun with their training, just literally getting out of the, the stagnation of doing just the same things over and over yeah. again. Um, we won't even get into the fact that we could be moving a bar from A to B and just doing it really badly and actually just getting really good at doing something really badly. Um, one thing that strikes me as you, the more you're, you're talking about um, what and, and, and how you get more excited when you're talking, you can <laughs> see it that, that those on the podcast can't see, but we can see it. Um, I mean, Spaces is doing it is um, 
the fact that um so you may have left design but when you were in design you, you mentioned the word creativity and and you have to you know as part of design is being creative and it seems now that you are you're combining that creativity around exploring and, and nature in two aspects of literally your body as part of nature and nature as in the environment that's around you and it seems that that's where you're at your I guess at your best or when you're at your happiest or whatever that looks like but when you're being creative around exploring these various different movements which I guess if we talk about in the school calisthenics terms if they're going to fall under the one of those two or both pillars of movement and strength you're exploring movement and some of those movements are going to require more or less strength or more or less movement um, and I just think that's a it, it really embodies what um, in, what what we're about, and um, I guess that's probably one of the reasons why we've we've wanted to to have you on board um, on the coaching team because you I guess you that that philosophy, but it's just a little bit in a, in even more richness than we maybe would. I did go in a river the other day, yeah. but it's because it was thirty degrees. <laughs> so I um, yeah no, I want to thank you for saying that, um, but I so just to go back to that idea of like when I started moving and trying these different things, there was, um, I don't know if you remember, there was a BBC advert with a guy called David Bell, who was like one of the pioneers in parkour. And he was like, there's a rush hour traffic and he basically parkoured his way home. And um, the, things like that was, was great to open my eyes to this new way of moving. But the only thing, the only sticking point I found was it was a little bit too advanced for me. So I, you just, you basically turn up with a bunch of mates and you go, right, let's have a crack at this. Whereas I needed a little bit more structure. I still needed, a, you know, that, that space to play. The framework yeah, to go. Space to play. Yeah. But it was basically like there's people doing just, you know, flips off stuff who'd never flipped before. So it was almost like a slightly dangerous element to it. Um, obviously, it's, you've got your own self-preservation or knowing what you can do. So that's where... When I started seeing more sort of calisthenics type things, I, I mean, as a kid, I wanted to be a gymnast. But, you know, if you haven't made it by the time you're 12, then you're never going to make it. So, so calisthenics offered this, this, this vehicle. And I think there was a, you know, a great podcast a couple of podcasts ago where you basically put forward this idea that calisthenics offers a full-bodied system. So if you want to be more creative, then that's cool. Then you can start linking moves or you can start doing that but you also need that fundamental strength or the baseline principles, then you can start building your sort of movement uh, language. So every time you come in, you know that you're going to be working on this regression or progression in order to get to that top tier move. Because sometimes I was finding myself, you know, maybe starting at, you know, level two and I was just jumping to level eight. Whereas the, the framework that you guys have put together, you're able to come in at whatever level you may never have done any sort of sport before and you can take, you know, take that new person and just go, right, well, let's, let's have a look at the way you move. And then this, this is going to be the right progression for you. But if you're an absolute beast and all you're lacking is just the finer stuff, then here's a progression for you. Yeah. I really like what you said about the creativity. It makes me think like I enjoy that creative process as well. And I think the real kind of, 
where anybody who wants to be creative is going to find some level of fulfillment and, and enjoyment and happiness in that process is having a healthy disrespect for the rules because you want to go and sort of play on the limits of, of what normal should look like. Like no one wants, there's no, for a creative person, there's no joy in copying a masterpiece that somebody else has already created. It's pointless. It's already been done. You want to go and do something which, which you, you haven't done before. And I think that's the one thing I find with calisthenics and, and movement, similar to you, Aaron, and I know Jacko is the same, is that when you come in and you want to do something, there are so many options. If you want to go and be creative in a normal five by five program, you've got zero like room for creativity because you're either going to go bench, squat, deadlift, or or row. And it's like you just got. I think that's one of the real nice things that what you say is that you can find creativity, but within that, whether you're an artist or whatever, there are there are some found some fundamental basics which you're going to have to kind of stick to. There are basics of drawing, there's basics of music, and there's basics of movement. There's good movement and there's do we call it bad movement? I don't like labeling it as bad, but there's suboptimal. Yeah. Let's call it that. Like there, there's a right way to move. Like we can say that for most cases. And, and I think often people would kind of go in a, in a strength training environment and go, well, neutral spine, you've got to stay neutral spine all the time. And then you go, well, do you have to? Just surely it depends on what the task is because the spine can bend. So let's just like, let's not, always say that neutral is perfect let's say that we have these movement variables and if you embrace that then you literally have this open field of movement that you can go and play with and be creative with and do what some days i just i I could come in like what i feel like doing today that i just don't really want to hang from a bar today i don't feel like it so i'm just going to go and do something else and i think that is one thing about when you get this open your eyes a little bit to, to what what's possible through embracing other forms of movement Training just becomes a lot more enjoyable because you can just you've got so many more options. Yeah, I think it it uh, it depends where you've where your past has come from as well. I know that personally, what you just said then, Tim, is something that's like I don't know. Even even last week or so, I've like been feeling that more myself. That actually, I want my training my training want I just want it to look quite different at the moment. What I was previously doing got me to a point, and I was just feeling a bit stagnated with it but my training background experience was always uh from when I was playing rugby like an SNC coach a guy telling you what to do and it was like you're doing this and these are your reps and this you would do this and then we do going to do this on this day and we're going to do that on that day and to get myself out of that like stagnant place has been a very long slow journey to go like oh you know what you don't have to actually do pull-ups today you don't you can literally choose not to um and that's not you know if if you've got a guy if you can't do a pull-up yet and you just decide you're going to shirk doing pull-ups forever then you're never going to achieve your goal have you not read that paper that says you lack strength by 46 percent if you don't do pull-ups for a day hold on a minute just pause the podcast we're gonna do a pull-up um yeah, no, it's just, it, it, I just wanted to, I just wanted to like share that personally so that for the people listening that, you know, because I'm sure a lot of people on, on the, everyone comes from different places and, and some people have come from a very rigid background and other people won't. But for those of us that have been quite rigid in the past, like it can be, it can be very freeing. And I think it might, reminds me of when you, you've told a story in the past a number of times, Tim, around, um, when you first were going to go into to to leave weights and do calisthenics, you were like, "Well, if it all goes a bit tits up, I know enough about training that if I lose all of my strength and whatnot because body weight wasn't enough, I can just go back to weight. I can just go back to it." Um, 
And I think for people to, to just embrace what Owen's talking about, do something a little bit different, explore something a little bit different. If you don't like it, well, at least then you know you don't yeah. like it, but maybe you might actually like it. It might be a little bit. You're obviously, if you're thinking about it, you're searching for and questioning, mm-hmm. should I be doing some, or could I do something else? Go and try and do a cartwheel safely yeah. or whatever. Oh yeah. 100%. Jump in a safe river. So if, if I, you know, just to go back to when I left sort of uh, proper sort of nine to five employment, I like to call that, call that my best summer ever because I was like a dog let off a, off a lead. I was just sort of training every day. It was this summer, yeah, literally just running full bore after everything. But, Jason but now, now that I've sort of worked out when I work best in the day and when I train best and all these other things, yeah. although I've given myself freedom, I do need a specific framework. So again, just a, I think you do need these fundamental elements in place to become free. Yeah, yeah, I think it's experience within that to go and allow yourself the freedom to play. But like my block for the next 12 weeks I've got laid down is basics. I'm going back to basics. So I'm not going to have that much play in my program. I'll probably keep a bit of variety in, but I just want to go and hit some numbers. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to keep it pretty straightforward because I'm, what I'm doing is setting my foundations up for what I want to do in January. So it just goes back to like our periodized approach to training. But it's, if, you, if you've got this, the balance across your training, I can dip back into some kind of pretty let's call it mundane, like it's going to look like fairly repetitive stuff because that's what you need to do to get stronger. But you've always got that little creativity bit. There'll be points along the journey over the next 12 weeks where, do you know what, I'm just going to go and mess about in the gym. Um, And as long as you know what you're getting as a result of that, like if you just mess about in the gym all the time, you're not going to be the biggest dude or do that. Like it's just, it's not going to happen because you're not training for a specific purpose. If you're training, if your specific purpose is to move well and have fun, do whatever you like. It doesn't matter. Either way, you're... You know, some, you're, what you're describing there is you're giving yourself some variety mentally mm. and psychologically around your training, which often we don't even talk about. We're just talking about the physical properties of it. Whereas because you haven't been d- being bored with your training, you don't mind going back and doing some basics because mentally you're, you've, you feel yeah. comfortable with that. And it's and you know that it's not going to, it's not always going to be that you're going you're gonna to mix yeah. it up and you're going to change it again. I think, I think um, there's a, a really nice bit in there that you were saying that I think my mindset shift coincided from going from a guy who wanted to get bigger to, to then to a guy who sort of just wanted to move better. So rather than chasing things that try to put some size on, I sort of embraced the fact that I wanted to move with better integrity. And at, at the weekend coaching down at um, Lacemakers, I used your handstand push-up as an example, that there's a body of work that you don't see where you've just got brutally strong and then when you see the, the final move of you doing a handstand push-up on a box and you basically, your head's diving, you know, deep diving past the box and driving by foot, you know, you, you don't get that for free. You've got to train for that and that's because you've got strong. But as I say, you've trained specifically for that because you want to you wanna get that. You, you're not just doing, you know, beach muscles and whatever because that's just pure aesthetic. Yeah, he wanted to be a badass. Wanted to be a badass, yeah. yeah. Up the stakes. Well, to be honest, with that, I follow the path of least resistance. Like, that's just for me, is stuff pushing comes quite easy. Um, pulling is my yeah. kryptonite, really, in, in, the, in the balance of things. So I have to work much harder, and I, I, can, I can probably progress quite fast with my, with my pushing-based work, but my pulling stuff is like, sometimes like, it's real, a real tough work. Yeah. But it's it, a good point, though, in that the... The video that we might post up because it's like Tim's done this like cool mm. thing and we want to celebrate it, and you didn't you didn't get good at being able to you didn't get 
the strength to be able to do that by doing lots of freestanding handstand push-ups up on a box. Yeah. You did loads of pike push-ups with your hands elevated, which isn't really exciting. And maybe we should post more boring stuff so that people can see the boring stuff as well. But you know, we do isn't that on our stories. Try to entertain people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a good. But it, but it illustrates a good point that you know, same as what you said about Ida Portal going. You see the end point of everything that's gone beforehand. Mm. Um, and it's just it's just a good thing for people to to just re, re you know or just want to re-emphasize that people understand that that yeah that when you see someone do something pretty cool chances are they've done a load of other mm-hmm. stuff in building up before that so don't try to just do the cool yeah. stuff um it's a similar sort of thing we had uh, when we had georgia on the podcast talking about earning the right to progress and not trying to compare yourself to someone else all those same type of things um this w- is slightly sorry infringed oh, on yeah, on, um, on one point that I was going to make before and that you've you've started um two online movements um which are you can talk about this is exactly what I was gonna, uh, I was gonna ask you about got, so there's, there's two that you started you can talk about them in whichever order you, you like the first one is hashtag Jugga Jugga gang, gang, and the second one there's a song the second one is hashtag triceps like tim now I, it depends on which one you want to talk about first and I, i've got a personal preference let's go let's go juggle gang first <laughs> but that's what i mean we've already talked about we kind of like we've, we've, we've sabotaged triceps like tim but we'll keep that for another day maybe that could be podcast version i'm actually working on projects as triceps like tim as well you know so we're gonna, <laughs> See, online, we're gonna wear a, 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 a couple of sleeves off soon and show you well, just let me work on it for a few more weeks but yeah we went to and it, tim had been before down to the circus and and you came down with a couple of other coaches um and we we, we the, the the circus um coaches took us through a, ser- a number of different um, elements uh, that they teach uh, down at the National Circus. And one of them was obviously juggling. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of juggling and balance work and, and trying to do various different things with the training the brain and, and, and the effect that can have on all sorts of different things from flexibility to uh, our strength. And uh, we were exploring some of that. And for I'd learned to juggle as a kid for I don't know I was just like I just wanted to be able to do it and then it's a bit like riding a bike you don't do it for years and years and years and you can pick up some balls and you can still juggle you um had clearly that when we went down to the circus was not your first time juggling like when did when did juggling start for you and um and I guess more recently the rise of juggle gang juggle gang juggle gang <laughs> so that can have its own full like we do some music behind that juggle so the, gang, juggle um, gang. There's a, there's a song called Gucci Gang and every time I hear every time I say Juggle Gang I get that in my head it's like Juggle Gang Juggle Gang so, um, so that, <laughs> but that's just like an internal dialogue when I hear it anyway um, so I actually learned when I was at uni and I was studying for some exams and obviously instead of getting my head in the books I was like what can I do instead to um, feel like I'm doing something and because I I only really work best for you know, 20 minutes, 40 minutes in blocks. For me, if I were to learn something, you know, some people go off to the library and sit in the library all day and feel like they've achieved something. I could not do that. I I would get um, stir crazy. So I basically taught myself to juggle. Me and, a, me and a housemate were messing around with juggling. And fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, I basically made juggling the, the, the peak focus rather than my exams. 
<laughs> did you get a fit? You got first in juggling and, and a Desmond Tutu. <laughs> I did a similar thing with Tony Hawk's Pro Skate Mode <laughs> 2. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we, we definitely did a bit of Tony Hawk's. Yeah, I mean, Tony Hawk shreds, man. He still shreds. Um, but, <laughs> so I basically just messed around. And then I didn't, to be honest, didn't touch it for a while. Um, but it's one of those things, the cliche, like riding a bike or learning to juggle. Once you've got the initial skill it won't take you long to knock the dust off and get back into it. So like with a lot of these things, that, that day, by the way, was awesome. Like spending time in the circus. And I think I said that I can see why people run off and go do all these things. Because for me, that was just encapsulated everything that I wanted to do. Um, you know, it, it won full day's activities, movement, flexibility, juggling, learning, type rope. Uh, but with this juggle gang, it's just sort of taking on its own sort of gravitas and it's people are learning to juggle and it, and it's awesome. Like you can, as I said in a post or whatever, it's just, you don't need to go off and buy special equipment. You can juggle, you know, dirty old tennis balls that you find in your shed. Like it could be literally anything. And is that, that was dirty old tennis balls. I thought you said 30 old tennis balls. <laughs> one day, one day. Um, <laughs> I'd like to see that challenge. 30 tennis balls in there. That would be incredible. Uh, I, I don't know how, how high you'd have to throw them in order to get the the revolution. But anyway. <laughs> what's the biggest What's the biggest thing you've juggled? Biggest thing I've juggled? That I, I struggled with a basketball. When I was doing the three balls, like volleyball, that was, that was... But I haven't got the biggest hands, you see, so I struggled. But it just, it's one of these things that's like learning. Yeah, you know what they say about men with small hands? Can't juggle basketballs. Small balls. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just a dead, dead easy thing for people to start learning. But there's all this, you know, associated idea that you can increase you know, your, your grey matter and you can stave off sort of Alzheimer's and these neurodegenerative diseases by by learning. And that could be getting good at good at whatever, learning a new skill. I learned to sew for the first time the other day. So again, it's all learning. But juggling is a bit more of a, an art form and very accessible. So, yeah, I think it's a really good example of a skill acquisition process. I, I learned on a caravan, well, I started, got some juggling balls. I don't know how old I was, but I got some from, we were away with my mum and dad in the caravan and had a, I bought these balls from a gift shop somewhere and I decided one summer, similar sort of thing, I was going to learn to juggle. And I stood there um, in front of my bed because I didn't have to bend down yeah. as far to pick them up when I dropped them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but when you learn to juggle, that's a real thing, right? That's yeah. it. But what's really interesting is that I probably would have been about 13, 14 years old at that stage, I would, have, I would have thought. When you throw me a set of juggling balls now at 38 years old, I can still juggle. Like, I don't practice. I'm not very good, but I can definitely juggle with three balls. Um, and I just, you're right, right on point about the um, the mental benefits of a skill acquisition process. I think that is huge, and that is something that I want to commit to, not necessarily just within calisthenics, but in, in all forms of my life, continuing to learn to do new skills from a, from a mental health mm-hmm. perspective. But just that thing of like, once you've learned to do something, that's something that you've taught yourself and your brain's not going to necessarily forget it. Like we, we talk about, oh, if you, lo- if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. But there's some things with skills, like juggling is one of those for me where you just kind of, it's just not yeah. going away, even though I don't practice it for years at a time, potentially. It's just, it's just a, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, well, it's I'm completely got... different to strength, isn't it? Like, whereas yeah. you will lose strength, whereas a skill pattern or a movement pattern. But the flag's the same. You can, if you're strong enough, you can jump up on a bar and you can do a human flag any day of the week. Yeah. 
because you've, as as long you've as learned you've, the new connection. Yeah, as long as you've not lost this, if you've been yeah. doing other strength work, it doesn't and have to be specific. To juggling requires no skill. Yeah. And you can see people who can draw no well. No strength. Sorry, sorry, no strength. <laughs> and people who can draw well, can pick up a pencil and they can just draw. Yeah. Like yeah. A, it's just, a, it's just, I don't know, I'm just musing on the fact that I think skill acquisition is cool. Yeah. Well, I, I spoke to one a member of Juggle Gang, uh, Eric Gem, and she said, she made a good point and it was, I thought the same thing. It was, she enjoyed, um, she enjoyed trying to learn new, oh, everything we just said about trying to learn new skill. But the other thing was it was something she could do on like effectively a rest day or it at least gave the mm. body and joints and shoulders and whatnot a, a bit of a rest from, um, from the yeah. strength work, which was, you know, actually helping aid recovery. I found that it be, um, when I did, I did a, a one and a half, possibly two seconds, if you count quickly, one-handed handstand, basically a slow fall down. But I, it was by far the best I'd done. I've not, hadn't trained it for age. I'd just left it alone for probably about three months. But I'd warmed up and then at the end of my warm-up, did a new juggling, the, the one-way throw against the wall that Owen sort of taught me the other week. Um, and just like smash through some of them and just felt like, you know, as, as they said to us, it was like sort of lighting up the vestibular system, just getting the brain like all fired up. And then all of a sudden my balance was not all of a sudden, but there was, there was, it, it certainly felt like there was a, there was a positive effect on my hand balancing, having done a little, having done a juggling thing at the end of my, end of my warm up. Um, it, it also, it just makes me laugh when I do it as well. So I just see that as a, as quite a good thing. So I actually quite often now, um, use it in use it in my warm up or just even when I'm at home and I just need a a, a mental break from whatever I'm doing work wise and just juggle a, a couple of juggles and then boom back into back into what I'm doing and just breaks breaks things and up. I saw you, Jacko, doing the um, your mobility and then sort of basically supersetting that with juggling. Uh, yeah, stretch stretch gang. Gang. <laughs> That's it. It was juggle gang meets stretch gang. But it, but it is. It's, it's, all, it's almost like an easy win. So you fire your brain up and you think, oh, actually, yeah, I've got this. The, the other thing is just obviously once you've got that basic sort of three ball pattern to push yourself to potentially do more skills. So same with anything, you can yeah. become complacent. So the, the gold happens in those early stages of learning. So once you've sort of yeah. ticked it off and uh, acquired the skill and then put it to one side, it's not to let that stagnate. It's to, to look for another skill. Um, and, you know, perpetually just, just, just keep learning and keep moving forward. And that's the same with any sort of skill acquisition process. Awesome. So we're going to wrap it up, Owen. Um, let's just, before we go, just what's, if you're going to, what are you working on in the, at the moment in your program? We obviously talk about redefining impossibles and, and you've got enough experience of the process to sort of probably not put anything too deeply in the impossible box, but there's always some things that we kind of, where we're currently at in our, our state of where we are right now that we look at and go, Do you know, well, that's going to be a stretch. You think you're going to be able to achieve it, but it's something you're going to properly have to put some work in for. What's that? What have you got on there on that that sort of impossible box at the moment? That's a, that's a target for the next sort of six to twelve months. So for me, it is freestanding handstand push up. I've sort of tried to commit to having that as a as a apex predator top tier move, um, mainly because I've avoided a lot of overhead pressing for a long time. And you know, Jack, I was talking to you about this the other day, and. The, I'm not particularly strong at that because I haven't been training it, you know, with having a couple of knackered shoulders. And then back in you know, a couple of years ago, I was in a, a, a bike accident, motorbike accident. So it's like I've sort of avoided stuff like that for a bit. So for me now, it's getting super strong um, and then having plenty of resource to be able to throw that at 
freestanding handstand push-up. I mean, there's loads of things. That That's my issue. Like, there's lots of things I want to get, but I think I just need to narrow that down um, and sort of buckle in and focus on that for a bit. Yeah. Nice. Triceps like Tim will certainly help. Trice- hashtag triceps like Tim. Hash- oh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. start using that hashtag. You wait till you see me after my next 12-week block. <laughs> <laughs> Just try Tim the human tricep. <laughs> yeah, I've got a whole day on triceps. <laughs> Every day. Every, I'm going to separate it with um, shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> so, Erin, you are part of the coaching team, so I'm going to give you the opportunity to end this properly, knowing what to say at the right time when we throw it over to you to finalise and wrap it up. And I can, I'm, I'm positive about this yeah, one, Jack. Of course, we're just for for everyone that's uh, that, that's made it to made it this far. Thank you for for listening, and um, we're, Owen would love it. If you haven't yet been and given us a five-star review um, on iTunes for the podcast, wouldn't you, Bowen? Oh, I certainly would. It would make my day. <laughs> Have you done one yet? Have you done one yet for the podcast? Thing? That's um, your job next of this. I was just going to say, if anyone does start to get on this juggle gang thing, just type in hashtag juggle gang and then yes. you'll see everyone getting involved in that. So you'll see people learning all the way through the phase. So also five-star rating all round, please, guys. Yeah. So let's make yeah have a have a search of hashtag juggle gang um, and also where can if they want to follow you on Instagram because you do you know do, do sharing various juggling tutorials as well as uh, the calisthenics tips and and how to jump in rivers and and, and how to make an ice bath at home out of you <laughs> and uh, recycling <laughs> recycling bins full of ice yeah <laughs> um, so yeah uh, Instagram is performance obj. Oscar Bravo Juliet. We will, uh, yeah. So we'll put a link into um, in the show notes for that. And uh, if you've, uh, we'd love to know. Um, well, show some love to to Owen. Head over to his Instagram. Give him a like. Uh, ask him. Let him know what he thought on and us. Let us know what he thought of uh, of the podcast. And if you have any specific questions for us or for Owen himself, um, feel free to get in touch on the DMs. Slide into those uh, on Instagram. And yeah. uh, we look forward to hearing, uh, hearing, and he- hearing from you and helping you with your training. And then if you want to go and get a first-hand experience of Owen Jackson and his mighty movement, um, what do we call it? Masterclass. You can go on a Sunday to Lace Makers. Yes, Beginners and, Class uh, Dance Class in yeah. Nottingham uh, at Lace Makers. You can book on the website uh, if you look under classes in the shop. Um, I had one other bit of, oh yes, I had one other juggling tip. Oh. Um, if you are inspired and I couldn't find my old juggling balls, I don't know where they almost were with my dad's house. So I went on Amazon and I went, I'll get some cheap juggling balls from Amazon. Don't buy the cheapest ones from China or wherever they were because they're like three quarter size juggling balls. They're really hard. They're really annoyingly small and hard to juggle. Buy cheap, buy twice, Jacko. Yeah, so literally pay like an extra pound it was like two quid <laughs> i literally saved a quid on a three pound product it was like three pound fifty for the real balls or these crap ones for two quid i was like that's two pound i didn't know that i didn't i didn't read the small print dimensions yeah I, i've been done like that do we know what the tip what, what the what the what's the sort of typical what size what is the dimension of a proper uh, one do we know now i, I got into it <laughs> so you can go from it's, it's, it's a whole pandora's box but ultimately just try and the main thing I'd say is try and get three balls that weigh the same amount. Ooh. So if they say 400 gram balls or yeah. uh, that sounds like quite a lot, but um, try and get something that's all the same. Yeah, and not, the, I promise you not the cheapest on this one. It's, you can cook, look for, look for a bargain when you're in like the supermarket and you're in the whoops corner. Fine. Juggling balls. Nope. Yeah. Don't buy three shot puts. <laughs> 
They all wear the same little five kilos. <laughs> yeah. You just, um, your bowling balls now. Posted should be brutal on those. And anyway. you get really light bowling balls. Like, you know, like 10 pin bowl, you get light ones, get little baby ones. Yeah. Anyway. Shall we? Um, this, we've probably finished now. I think we have. Until next time. Plus dismissed.